Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. In this episode of The Dad Project, Jim Tierney discusses ways dads can help their children understand freedom. Jim is a co-founder of The Dad Project. He and his wife are expecting their 10th child. This time of year being close to the American holiday of Independence Day is a time when many Americans think about the idea of freedom. So I wanted to share some thoughts about how we as dads can think about freedom and also give you some ideas about how you can talk to your kids about freedom. I'm going to start in a deeper philosophical place, and I realize that this might not be the right place for kicking off a discussion of freedom with kids, although it might be for older kids. But either way, I do intend to share some thoughts that I think kids can understand, so hang in there with me. I'm going to start with a quote from John Locke. Now, I'll say from the outset that Locke is a figure that isn't without controversy. He wrote about tolerance, but was not a model of tolerance when it came to Jews and Catholics, and he was entangled in the slave trade while writing extensively on personal liberty. But while he had these failings, there's no question that he had a towering influence on the American concept of freedom. I quote here from his second treatise of government. We must consider what state all men are naturally in and that is a state of perfect freedom to order their actions and dispose of their possessions and persons as they think fit within the bounds of the law of nature without asking leave or depending on the will of any other man. And so for us as dads to start thinking about how we can help our kids understand freedom, I want to begin with this first point from Locke. Human beings are free by nature. Now this sounds well natural to the American ear. Our understanding gained through our learning in the American educational system is that this principle is foundational to the Declaration of Independence, to the Constitution of the United States, and to the American way of life. But dads, this is where our work begins because as parents, we are the primary educators of our children. And while Locke was right, this idea that we are free by nature can unfortunately be reduced to a misguided idea subscribed to by many adults that, quote, it's my life, no one can tell me what to do. It doesn't take us dads long to see that this is just a counterproductive way of seeing the world. I mean, we know that we have to hold down a job and so we have to do what our boss tells us. We know that we need to obey just laws. We may have a set of family rules or a code of conduct. We may have a creed or ethnic traditions that we think are true and beautiful and which help our children learn virtues that will help them to love others and be good citizens. And so it's not hard for us as dads to see that life is much more complicated than an overly simplified and self-centered slogan, it's my life, no one can tell me what to do. So we need to help our kids understand that there's more to freedom than a prohibition on how others are required to relate to us. So let's go deeper on freedom to understand why. If you think about it, absolute freedom, the idea that a person should be free from any restraints or rules, is a fallacy. For example, a person cannot be free to stand in front of an oncoming train and still be free to maintain his nature as a living human. The 19th century English historian Lord Acton 
had this to say about freedom and liberty. By liberty, I mean the assurance that every man shall be protected in doing what he believes is his duty against the influence of authority and majorities, custom and opinion. Liberty is the prevention of control by others. This requires self-control. And here, dads, I believe is the key to understanding freedom ourselves and helping our children live with a healthy conception of freedom. Acton is making the distinction between freedom from and freedom for. Yes, we must celebrate and promote freedom from tyranny, enslavement, from arbitrary and corrupt kingly power, or from any government that subjugates the will and the common good of the people. At the same time, we must foster and encourage freedom for doing good. We have to help our children understand that freedom is fully realized, as the Polish intellectual Karl Wojtyla observed, when we have the freedom to do what we ought to do. The two have to work together hand in hand and in balance to be ordered toward what is good and true and beautiful. Furthermore, freedom, like a hammer, is not actually an end in itself. It is a tool, an essential tool, a tool without which it's difficult to live a happy and fully human life, but it's a tool nonetheless. And like a hammer, the tool of freedom, if used rightly and according to its nature, it creates, it builds, it helps make new things possible. If it is used wrongly, it leads to destruction. Without reference to the common good, to what is true and good and beautiful, freedom is ultimately self-referential, and it's practiced or even worshipped for its own sake. And this is where that slogan, it's my life, no one can tell me what to do, goes wrong. It asserts that freedom exists in how I define it. Look, it can be a big challenge in our times to convince others that freedom from and freedom for go together. That's why we need to help our children see how freedom for doing good, serving others, is a way to live authentic freedom and actually to be a more free person. I want to make a few points about freedom and democracy. Freedom and democracy are not synonymous, nor does freedom exist only in a democracy, nor is democracy the only safeguard for freedom. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm very much an advocate for democracy, and I love American democracy. If we're honest about it, though, there are many violations of freedom that can happen in democratic nations. Government interventionalism in the lives of private citizens, unjust laws, not to mention radical individualism that can be expressed within societies and which can end up violating human rights and thereby erode freedom. Why is this? Well, the key condition for freedom is not democracy, it's justice, treating others with the dignity with which they deserve to be treated. And this is another point we need to emphasize with our children. The protection of freedom that is provided by just laws, along with their proper enforcement, is the only way to guarantee true and lasting freedom. I want to turn next to freedom and authority. I believe one of the great errors in the Western world in the last 50 years is to conclude that as people become more participatory in their government, there should be a de-emphasis on authority of any kind. This ideology finds submission to any authority unacceptable. But again, law and its enforcement are freedom's protections, and the one who trusts no authority whatsoever cannot himself be trusted with it. When it comes down to it, that fist-shaking cry of, it's my life, it often seems like the people that are inclined to believe that somehow believe that it would be ideal to have unlimited freedom with no laws. 
is just a fallacy that we have to be on guard for that freedom is somehow unlike law and doesn't bind us in any way. Freedom can bind us because when we freely choose one path, it necessarily excludes other paths. Let's say I want to choose to eat 30 ice cream bars every day and not exercise. When I embark on that course of action, I'm bound. I necessarily exclude myself from another course which I could have freely chosen to be highly fit and become an Ironman triathlete. All right, how about a less frivolous example? In modern societies, we want the freedom to marry a spouse of our choosing, to not have marriages forced or arranged. So the freedom to marry a spouse of our choosing is the freedom to bind oneself. Also, while the absolutely free person can, in a sense, belong to himself on his own terms, he cannot belong to a community on his own terms. So a person can't really have a definition of freedom that is strictly his own, independent of everyone else's. We want our children to be productive members of society. We want them to feel love and belonging. So even in the little lessons we teach in the home, it's important that we help kids understand that they just don't always get everything their way. Dads, let's help our children see the virtue in ordering their freedom to the common good and to what is true in this world. The alternative is not to be free, it's to be ruled by one's own will. Next, I'm going to talk about nature and restraint. Again, Locke was right that freedom is a function of human nature. To avoid reducing the idea of freedom to being ruled by the will and chasing after every appetite, we have to help our children see that freedom is not the absence of all restraint. To illustrate this, I'll point out that I am not free to refuse to eat or to breathe. The laws of nature dictate that such a choice would be choosing not to be a human person. So, the restraint imposed by nature and the laws which are ordered to nature serve to preserve my freedom. When I submit to the law of nature and breathe like everyone else, I surrender nothing and I gain the ability to live my life. And so analogous to breathing, when I choose to do what I ought, to do my duty, to serve the common good, all the happiness of life can open up to me, and I lose nothing by restraining myself from choosing to spend my time satisfying my appetites. Let's close it out by talking about obedience and freedom. In many cases when it comes to the common good, and in most cases when it comes to what is true to a life of service and love, there's no physical force that coerces us to use our freedom for these purposes. But we want our children, when they leave the supervision of our home and go into the world as young adults, we want them to make virtuous choices in their lives. In other words, we want them to obey a well-formed conscience. So let's work on virtue with them a lot starting from a young age so that their consciences will be well-formed and that they will know how to follow them. As their children get older and start to be able to put their consciences to work, I recommend covering freedom through conversations that hit upon some of these topics that I've mentioned here. Freedom is a big and complex topic, and it's one of those that I don't think always lends itself to discrete little lessons or rules in the home. After all, raising an adult who uses his freedom for good is the objective of our entire 18 plus years of parenting a child. We really have to lean into it, help them form their consciences, and understand the from-for distinction with freedom. Then they'll know how to use their freedom for good. 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.